Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning again, or good day, or good evening, depending on when and where you're listening and and how you're listening. So good morning to those of you listening live to Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network, and maybe good afternoon to those of you listening to the rebroadcast at MyFaithRadio.com, or those of you listening, you know, tonight, tomorrow, this evening, I guess, in your experience, um, via the Faith Radio app. I know, all places, all things to all people. There you go. Today is the 15th of March, 315, the date on which Julius Caesar was assassinated in 44 BC and therefore known as the Ides of March. Beware the Ides of March. Um, It is a day uh, upon which we talk about betrayal. And uh, among Christians, you know, there's no greater betrayal to discuss than the betrayal of Jesus with a kiss by one of his own disciples. So his name is Judas Iscariot. I would uh, direct your attention to Luke chapter 22 today on this Ides of March. So the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near. It's called the Passover. The chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to put Jesus to death because they feared the people. Then Satan entered into Judas called Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, and he went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray Jesus to them. You know, they were glad and they agreed to give him money, so he consented and sought an opportunity to betray Jesus to them in the absence of a crowd. So then we have uh, in Luke uh, chapter 22, the celebration of the Passover, Jesus um, sends Uh, disciples to prepare, and then um, they sit at table together. He institutes the Lord's Supper. There is a conversation about who is the greatest. Jesus then um, foretells Peter's denial, um, and and you think that's as bad as it's going to get, right? And then Jesus goes on to, um, to talk about how Scripture must be fulfilled, They walk together to the Mount of Olives where Jesus is praying, and you know this prayer. You know Jesus kneeling, having moved a stone's throw from the disciples and kneeling down and praying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven. This is picking up at verse 43 in Luke chapter 22. There appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. Being in agony, he prayed even more earnestly. His sweat became like drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. And while he was still speaking with them, there came a crowd. The man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? 
when those who were around him saw uh, uh, saw what would follow, they said, Lord, should we strike with a sword? One of them actually struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Peter said, no more of this. He touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers of the temple and the elders who had come out against him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? I've been with you every day in the temple, and you didn't lay a hand on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. The chapter goes on to account for um, the events that follow. I encourage you to read the entirety of Luke chapter 22 on this Ides of March, this day that we talk about bewaring uh, betrayal, even among those closest to us or by those closest to us, which, by the way, is the only kind of person who can really betray you, is a person uh, whom you dearly love. Tomorrow is 316. Just think about that for a moment. What do you know that includes the numbers 3 and 16? And you say to yourself, I know John 316. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I know something that has the number 316. Tomorrow's Gospel Day. So on this Ides of March, as we recognize the betrayal and the denial of Jesus, we also recognize the gospel is coming. Hope rises. It is on the horizon. We're going to talk next about how we as Great Commission people can extend the gospel even into places and spaces where we cannot physically go. It's the Ministry of Global Media Outreach. We've talked about it before, but specifically we're going to focus in on what is happening in Ukraine and how people are awakening to the hope of Jesus. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Jamie Radke is a name that may be known to you from um, a variety of places. She is currently serving as the chief growth officer of Global Media Outreach, but you may recognize her as the founder and president of Grow Your Outreach. It's a company designed to help nonprofits and churches grow their reach and expand their impact. You may know her as the person who founded We Believe, a digital outreach program to engage young adults in spiritual conversations about life or you may know her as uh, uh, as the as the head of Explore God, whose website reached an online audience of more than 18 million people in over 80 countries in just the last, I don't know, let's see, I, my math is bad, but not very long, since 2013. I know, that's how bad my math is, Jamie. Nine years, in the last nine years. Jamie Radke joins us now in her role as the Chief Growth Officer of Global Media Outreach and my new friend. Jamie, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Oh, thank you. It's so great to be here. It's wonderful to have you um, join us today. I, I just want to start with this. So how many gospel presentations um, and or discipleship encounters, however you want to frame that, have you guys seen in Ukraine since February the 24th? Well, we have seen over 26,000 indicated decisions for Christ um, since February 24th. Um, so a little over a thousand a day is, you know, between a thousand wow. and 1300 a day. 
So obviously only the Holy Spirit knows each heart, but the fact that we've had over 26,000 people say, I want to know Christ as my Lord and Savior um, is pretty incredible. That's amazing. I mean, that's amazing. That's like, you know, Acts chapter two kind of growth. I mean, God adding to their number every single day, those who are being saved. Um, And there are people wondering right now, how is that happening? Because this is a place that's in chaos. It's hard to imagine that there are, you know, crusade events going on where people are gathering together in, um, in stadiums. So how is it that Global Media Outreach is able to reach into the darkness um, the despair, the places that are cut off from everyone else. Like, remind us how this works. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I was telling my husband last night on TV, you can literally watch the war unfold on on social platforms like TikTok or Instagram um, or YouTube. And those are the types of platforms, whether it's Google or Facebook or Instagram, that we are likewise able to reach into Ukraine and share the gospel with people, the Ukrainian people, with Russian soldiers, um, while they are in Ukraine, while they're sitting in bomb shelters, while they're sitting in their homes, afraid to go out, we are able. To, they're on the internet, right? I mean, you don't have anything better to do besides stay, stay safe, stay bunkered down. Um, And they're looking for answers on the internet about a variety of things. And one of the things they're coming across is the gospel of Jesus. So um, I'm, let's say I'm, you know, I'm, I'm scrolling a particular social media feed. Um, the, you know, the secret ways in which that works, somehow it knows what I'm really feeling and looking for. I don't really know. I mean, I'll tell you if I'm scrolling in the middle of the night, right, I get meditation apps like as uh, ads on the side of my screen, right? They, they know you're awake. They know you're up. Um, they know what you're looking for. They know what you need, you know, feeling anxiety. like So that's happening and a person then sees an invitation on their screen um that maybe is simply a question like you know got hope or need hope or want hope or something like that um and they click on it what happens yeah no you're exactly right i mean we're running need, you know needs based or felt need ads on what are you struggling with anxiety or loneliness are you worried about your future you know, any of those ads that would be obviously very appropriate if you're in the situation, the unfortunate situation that the Ukrainians are in, and they click on the ad and it takes them to a landing page where they can be presented with the gospel. And then um, they have the opportunity to be connected with one of our online missionaries where they can have back and forth conversations to ask the questions that they have, uh, to be able to be connected with a digital Bible, to be able to have devotionals. And a lot of these online missionaries of ours, uh, you know, are in Eastern Europe and they are, they ha- are, or some of them have escaped, are in Ukraine. And so they're, they are talking with on, volunteer online missionaries that are a, a lot of them local to the region of where they live. Yeah, I'm going to invite you when we come back to um, share with us the um, Alexander story, recognizing that the, the name may have been changed to preserve the privacy of the individual. Um, but Jamie Radke is going to share a good news story directly out of Ukraine. Um, what was this person searching for when the bomb started to fall? And then what did he ultimately find? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
Continuing our conversation with Jamie Radke from Global Media Outreach. You can find the ministry at globalmediaoutreach.com. You can also watch the interactive map, one of my favorite things to do, recognizing that that's really only aggregating the information um, for people engaging on platforms that Google is counting. So there's a lot more going on than what you're going to see at the map, um, which is at witness2all.com, witness2all.com. But let me tell you, watching the little flags go up on witness2all.com makes my heart sing. I simply celebrate that people are discovering the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that's what you're going to like see happen in real time, watching the map at witness2all.com. I recognize it's only a partial representation of what's going on through global, global media outreach, but it's significant. And so I encourage you to check that out. If you just, you just want to celebrate with the Holy Spirit and with Christians that the gospel is going forth right now um, through the giving of Christians who want to share their faith, but, you know, aren't going to leave their home to do it. They're going to use technology to reach into the hearts um, and the darkness uh, that others are experiencing. So, Jamie, tell us um, the story of um, Alexander. This was a really powerful story, and we did switch the name just for safety and protection, but they... This was a, a gentleman who, a young gentleman who was actually in a bomb shelter, um, you know, for safety purposes. And, you know, uh, this is amazing that they still have access to internet with all that's going on around them. And he was on the internet and saw one of our ads. I'm not sure if it was an ad on, do you need hope or are you full of anxiety? But he clicked on that ad and he got connected with one of our volunteer online missionaries from Eastern Europe. And he started talking about how he was in a bomb shelter and how he did not feel safe in the shelter he was in and started expressing his worry and his concern like anybody would be in that situation. And our online missionary was, was able to talk to them about the shelter you can go to where you can feel safe at all times where you can feel peace, um, no matter what the circumstances are, and started to tell him about the shelter of Jesus Christ. And uh, they had a long conversation. He accepted Christ as his savior. And, and they have now that connection. Anytime he reaches out, he'll be able to talk to that very same online missionary anytime he reaches back out to us. And it's been really amazing. Like you were talking about the map just a minute ago, when I pulled up the map of the 26,000 indicated decisions, you can see the dots all over the map. But what's really amazing is, you know, these cities that you're hearing about on the news, Kharkiv and Kiev and Lviv and Odessa, you can see like a concentration of dots in those city areas of people making decisions for Christ as well as in the rural areas as well. But it's like, it's that connection. You're hearing the city names on the news and then you're seeing the concentrations of decisions being made in the cities. It's an amazing to see how God is working in the midst of, of war, you know? Absolutely. Um, Vladimir Putin may be playing an unconscious role in revival. I mean, it's one of the things, I mean, I've been praying for revival um, and, I know that it happens in ways that uh, often surprise. I know that God uses what some mean for evil to turn to good. Um, I know that people turn to God 
um, when their own sense of the resources they've been depending on runs out. Um, and I just I just want to see um, I want to see global revival. And if it starts in Ukraine, then it starts in Ukraine. Oh, absolutely. And I, I mean, I, you know, would tell your listeners to, to pray for the revival that's taking place everywhere. I mean, when we look at global media outreach, we're able to penetrate into every country, like every single country and territory on, on the globe. And the beauty of it for doing this through the internet and doing, sharing the gospel through the internet and connecting them with online missionaries through the internet is we don't have to put any lives at risk. You know, we can share the gospel with these volunteer online missionaries. We can answer questions and we don't have to put lives at risk. The missionaries or the people there locally, right? I mean, if you're, if you're a Muslim person living in a Middle Eastern country, it's a, it's a big deal to make a decision for Christ and it would even put their life at risk. And so that's the beauty of um, what global media outreach is able to do through the, through the help, obviously of all our giving partners. So um, remind us, because there's an efficiency related to this that's pretty extraordinary. Technology itself is pretty efficient, but this um, global media outreach, talk with people about the the multiplier here. You know, like um, give give the translation of, you know, what does it cost really to reach a person with the gospel through global media outreach? Um, And then maybe translate that into some bigger numbers, you know, with with $10,000, I can reach how many people? Or with $1,000, I can reach how many people? Like, help us understand the numbers a little bit. Yeah, so um, we are able to share the gospel and do a gospel presentation for about 10 cents. 10 cents per gospel presentation. And so what we're averaging right now on a daily basis is about three to 400,000 gospel presentations per day. Um, those three to 400,000 gospel presentations every 24 hours um, ends up being about 40,000 indicated decisions every 24 hours, and then about 4,000 new contacts that we get for discipleship. So it's an amazing multiplier for only 10 cents, the results that you see. So you can imagine, you know, for $100, for example, that's 1,000 gospel presentations that we're able to do to reach people all over the world. And in fact, last year alone, we had one and a half million people we discipled, but we had over 18 million decisions for Christ across the globe. Um, There's people shaking their heads. People are shaking their heads because, I mean, I'm aware of these numbers, but they are astounding. Um, And it's it's real. These are real numbers. Um, And I think people need to know that as well. Jamie, um, I love this ministry. You know that. Um, And so please encourage the rest of the GMO team today. Thank you for sharing this part of the story. We want to direct people to the website, globalmediaoutreach.com, and you can watch the, uh, watch the map. And every time you see a little flag go up, you know, you got another brother or sister in Christ. You got a person who's being discipled. There's a, um, there's a person out there investigating uh, the word of God. Like I just, it, it just warms my heart. So let's pray for the online missionaries. Let's pray for the team at GMO. Um, and let's pray that the gospel would go forth. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. What's hiding inside you? 
Here's a quote for today. The enemy likes to hide wolves inside sheep's clothing. But that's okay. God hides lions inside of lambs. Hmm. All right. What's hiding inside of you? We're going to talk with Amy Julia Becker about her brand new book, To Be Made Well. It's an invitation to wholeness, healing, and hope. It's a conversation about what's going on on the inside. Not just how we're feeling, but how we're doing. How can we be made well? And what does wellness really mean for the Christian? All of that up next here on Mornings with Carmen. You got me singing like We have talked with Amy Julia Becker on prior occasions. Uh, Among other things, she is the wife of Peter. She's the mom of Penny, William, and Mary Lee. She's the author of White Picket Fences, Turning Towards Love in a World Divided by Privilege. Um, She's the host of a podcast, Love is Stronger Than Fear. And she comes to us today with a brand new book, To Be Made Well, An Invitation to Wholeness, Healing, and Hope. Amy Julia, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks, Carmen. It's great to be here with you. So you're a real person. Like you're, I mean, not that not that other people aren't, <laughs> but like you're you're just very transparently real. And I so appreciate that. Talk about the reality of your life and what you've experienced that provoked you to enter into this conversation in the book To Be Made Well. Well, thank you for that. I like being called a real person, and I'm so glad that comes through in the book. And, um, you know, I'm certainly like a real mom in the sense that I've got three kids, and I've been here to talk with you about them before. Um, Penny, our oldest, who is now 16, has Down syndrome, and that has affected me and my thinking about healing and wellness, for sure. Um, But just being a mom who lives through kind of the ordinary hard stuff of whether that was young childhood diapers and, you know, sleepless nights, or just the um, relationships with our kids as they grow up. And then I also, one of the things that really prompted this book was this, I think, very common situation of lower back pain, which sounds so, well, mundane, but I guess that makes it real. And I really truly was not able to get through a night without taking an Advil. And I really wondered, like, what is going on in my body? And that prompted a whole series of um, thoughts and conversations and led to a healing experience that then led me to a lot more uh, wondering about what does it mean for Jesus to be a healer even now? Is it just about our bodies? Is it about something more than that, which I believe that it is? Um, and so, yeah, it was my very real life that led me back to the stories in the Gospels about Jesus healing people and looking at the comprehensive way that he invites us to come to him so that we can be made well. Yeah. So the book is To Be Made Well, An Invitation to Wholeness, Healing, and Hope. Um, Talk with us. uh, Let's just talk about the three parts of the book. That might be the easiest way for us to navigate through this. Let's, Let's start with the nature of healing. I mean, what is the nature of healing? Well, yeah, I did feel like I needed to start there, even in my own understanding, because for me, there were two things I think that I brought to healing that needed to be either corrected or enhanced. 
One was this understanding that I think we have in like a Western context of healing as being just about fixing bodily problems, whether that is curing an illness or fixing a knee that hurts or, you know, antibiotic surgery, et cetera. And that certainly is a part of healing. But I think that um, not only in a biblical sense, certainly in a biblical sense, but even just in our everyday lives, we can experience healing in a much more comprehensive way, even when our bodies are not feeling the same way they did perhaps when we were younger or in a different stage of life we can experience the emotional healing or spiritual healing, or even, and this was another part looking at um, the gospel stories, communal healing. We can recognize the ways that there is brokenness, division, hurt, and harm in our communities, and we can be a part of healing there. So I see healing as something that's integrated, mind, body, spirit, reconnecting us to ourselves, to God, and to our communities and society. Um, and I see that in virtually every story in the gospels where Jesus is healing people, that it's not just about fixing their immediate physical problem. If anything, it's uh, least about that. And it's most about what it means for them to be experiencing that um, reconnection to self, to God, and to community. The conversation, um, I, I experienced this as very um very much like what Francis Schaeffer talks about in terms of the substantial healing that comes um, like in marriage, but only mm -hmm. when the individuals have this substantial healing first with God, right? This gospel experience yeah. and then with themselves and only mm -hmm. people substantially healed in those ways can enter into or hope to repair or, or, or enter into redeemed marriage and, um, and then substantially healed relationships beyond that. It's, um, this is so good. I think it does help us um, see healing differently. Um, I'm wondering if it's changed the way you've prayed for healing in the lives of others. That's such a great question. And yes, I agree with everything you just said, that there is this sense of just God longing for a deeper and deeper healing that really emerges from our understanding of being beloved by God, not for what we do, but because God made us, you know, just because of who we are. Um, and that sense of believing our belovedness, allowing us to receive healing for ourselves and then extend it to other people and hope for it in our relationships. So yes, I think um, when I think about my friends who are asking for healing and when I'm looking at the world and all of our brokenness, I do think God really cares about our physical pain. So it's not like that's irrelevant, but I also think that almost always our pain and illness is pointing us towards an invitation to deeper healing. And so I have come to believe that even when we don't experience a freedom from chronic illness or pain, God's healing work, it can be very, very much active and present in our lives. And so when I'm praying for people, I am praying that they would experience that, you know, freedom in their bodies and especially cessation of pain. And yet I'm also praying that we would um, pay attention to that pain so that we can receive that deeper healing and know what it is that God might be um, inviting us into to explore on the more emotional and spiritual and relational level. I feel like there are um, 
reminders in in here, glimmers of, or like I look back over my shoulder and I think about some of the things that maybe you were talking about um, in Good and Perfect Gift, um, mm. right? It, it feels like some yeah. of that move moves forward into this conversation. Um, talk about this in terms of like a journey. It's not, this is just not a, let me snap my fingers and expect physical transformational healing in an instant. And then everything else is also going to be made well. Totally. I know. And I think sometimes actually the stories we have in the gospels can make us think that that is what healing is like that. It's so immediate and we're done. Um, when I think really, especially if we put those stories alongside say the story of like Peter or Paul or um, even Mary and seeing their growth in a relationship with Jesus and how that over time changes and heals them. And you're absolutely right for me, that has been true, that some of the seeds of this book were planted back when Penny was born, which is where uh, the book A Good and Perfect Gift came out of was, you know, what it took for me to receive a child with Down syndrome as a gift, rather than seeing her as someone whose body needed fixing. Um, and so that was true, a different conception of, of health and of healing, certainly started to emerge with looking at disability differently. And then also, I think um, my understanding of myself really changed because for so much of my life, I had seen my achievements and performance as what made me well, rather than recognizing the ways that those things could really cut me off from the love of God, from even a sense of understanding myself as beloved, you know, independent of what I do, um, and could cut me off from other people because I couldn't understand their, the giftedness that all of us bring and the neediness that all of us bring into the world. So yeah, I think there's certainly been a journey in my life, but I also think that is um, true for everyone who is being made well, <laughs> that there, there's not a, an end point, at least not on this side of the grave um, for that journey. And yet there is this constant invitation to essentially experience more and more love from God. We're going to continue this conversation with Amy Julia Becker. Um, this is really a conversation for anyone struggling with pain or loss, anybody that is concerned about the things that divide us. I'm wondering if you want to be made well. Might you respond to an invitation to wholeness, healing, and hope? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Continuing our conversation with Amy Julia Becker, uh, her newest book, To Be Made Well, An Invitation to Wholeness, Healing, and Hope. Um, encourage you to check out um, not only what Amy Julia is doing, um, but her podcast as well, links to which you can find at amyjuliabecker.com. Um, I'm wondering, uh, as you as you think about Jesus healing people, and you've reviewed, you know, those those stories in the Gospels. Um, you know, certainly from John, we know that if all the things that Jesus ever did uh, were told, the world would not be big enough to contain the books that would have to be written. However, it does seem as if Jesus passed by um, and left unhealed lots of people. Does that question come up in this conversation? 
my attention was drawn when I was working on this book to actually the number of times in the gospels where we just have a very passing reference where it was like, and then Jesus healed everyone who came to him. And <laughs> there are references to him, like staying up all night, healing people and people care, like running to him with people on mats in order to receive his healing. And yet you are right. There had to have been, I mean, thousands of people who were not healed and who he passed by, because there's also this sense of people um, coming to him very deliberately to ask for healing. And there, there had to have been so many who didn't receive that. At the same time, I think Jesus's entire life was a healing mission for the world. And it is when we look at his work on the cross and then through the resurrection that we can get a sense that that, that bodily healing that he offered to people was beautiful and powerful and compassionate and good and temporary. Whereas that deeper healing that allows us to understand God's forgiveness and the ways that we can be a part of God's love in the world, that's permanent. Uh, that is eternal. And that is the lasting invitation, I think, of God's um, work through Jesus that, you know, was evident in those interactions with each individual that he healed, but was also like, a, it was, it was pointing to a bigger story that we still can all be a part of. And I believe that was true for people back then as well. You talk in the book about barriers um, to, to healing um, as well. I think that's really, really helpful. And then you have part three of the book where you talk about participation in healing. Um, I, I loved some of the practices that you talked about in here, and it occurred to me that when, you know, when Jesus heals someone, I mean, I, I suppose this has occurred to me before, but, um, you know, it's not as if the body is, is, his, is his first concern. And sometimes the body is my first concern. Hmm. Um, you know, but Jesus is concerned that your sins are forgiven. Um, he's concerned um, that you are called daughter. I mean, he's concerned about your identity. He reaches out a hand before he, um, you know, before he heals the leprosy. He, so there's a restoration there of, of a humanity and a, um, and a connection before there is a physical healing. Jesus mm -hmm. maybe is not first concerned with the physical, and maybe I am too concerned with the physical. Yeah, I think, I mean, you're absolutely right. There's that story of like the healing of the paralytic where Jesus says your sins are forgiven. And then he's like, well, okay, if you need to be sure that your sins are forgiven, then sure, you can walk, you know, but there, there is a sense of uh, that concern that goes deeper than the body. But at the same time, I think Jesus has great compassion it's not as though he's going to critique us for caring about how our bodies feel. And so there is still compassion in that. And there's just this integrated sense that um, our bodies and our spirits really are connected and we've divided them. So we put, mm. I do this, like we put the physical in one box and the spiritual in another. And I think it was a lot more fluid for Jesus where he really was, um, you know, throughout the gospel of John, it's the blind man who can see even before his actual sight is given back, he's the one who can see. Um, and there's a sense of always wanting us, those of us who are in kind of able bodies to understand that just because we have an able body does not mean that our spiritual lives are aligned with those abilities. And that's the deeper meaning. So I think our bodies can point to a deeper work that God wants to do. I've started asking myself when I experience pain, 
God, is there something you're trying to teach me here? Is there an emotion that I'm not willing to feel? Is there a spiritual truth that I'm just avoiding um, for some reason? And can this pain actually be um, a leader, a guide into a deeper healing that God wants to do? So I think they're connected, the physical and the emotional and the spiritual, even though I also agree with you that Jesus's top concern does not seem to be quite the same as what ours might be. Yeah, I've always uh, wondered if the thorn in Paul's flesh that he physically felt Mm -hmm. wasn't, you know, the spiritual reminder of the ways in which he had wounded the body um, Mm -hmm. so significantly prior to his conversion. I mean, right. I mean, there are there is there's trauma that remains with us and we have physical reminders. um, But the experience was, you know, maybe not primarily physical to begin with. I, I think this is so helpful. It's such a You've used the word integrated several times, and that is the word that comes to mind um, Mm -hmm. in thinking about the way you're discussing this. The book is To Be Made Well. Amy Julia Becker is the author. It is an invitation to wholeness, healing, and hope. Um, You can connect with Amy Julia at her website, amyjuliabecker.com. I want to spend the last couple of minutes just having a completely different conversation. Is that okay? Sure. So I have a 16-year-old in my house with some very special needs. Um, and we are now like, you know, we, we like people ask the question about conservatorship or they ask the question about, mm-hmm. you know, what are what are our plans? You know, like how how are we helping Matthew plan beyond being a dependent child? Like, right. Yeah. Once he reaches major age like that, are the are there good resources that you can point us to? Because I feel like you and Peter have probably already had these conversations and done this work. Well, thanks for asking. You know, I had a meeting this past week with the um, special education team here in our town, starting to ask exactly those questions. And I do think there, on the at this point in life, starting in middle school and in high school, uh, Penny School initiated a process. The first one was called Maps, and then in high school, mm-hmm. it's called Path which is Mm -hmm. like getting, it's, it's different than the IEP. It's different than just an academic plan. It's looking at the whole person in the context of the whole community and saying, where are we headed and how are we going to help you get there? So if you want to live independently when you are 26 years old, what do we need to be doing at age 16? Like, you know, you need to learn how to do your own laundry and that is going to require a stool to get the soap into the laundry. You know, I've been doing her laundry forever and it's like, wait, you can do this, but we have to think through what that means. So I would really recommend the PATH process and the MAPS process, MAPS for middle school, PATH for high school as a beginning, which sparks all sorts of um, conversations and kind of breaks down what seems like such an overwhelming process into smaller (laughs) um, components where it's like, okay, all we're working on this year is, you know, laundry and cooking a quesadilla (laughs) or whatever. Um, And then we also are looking at, there's a series for people who want their kids to have some Um, kind of college experience, even if it's not the same as a typical college experience. There's a network of um, schools that have programs for kids with some sort of intellectual disability called Think College. So we've just started exploring that because of the um, opportunities I think it could give Penny. So those are two just initial thoughts. I mean, as you know, there's a whole world out there and it's a little bit of a scary one, but I am hoping and praying that we can just take it one step at a time and um, and lead, you know, help her, as you said, to be um, as independent as she is able to be and wants to be um, so that she can, she can really flourish. 
Exactly. We have a we have a shared heart in that. Um, mm. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Amy Julia, for who you are, for being real, for visiting with us today, for the new book to be made well. Um, just we just really appreciate you. Thank you. Oh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Absolutely. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. We'll be right back. All right. Um, so, so many of you texting uh, about maybe notes or resources there just at the very end of the conversation. Uh, and so Anne has answered the question for those in Minnesota. The program that you're looking for is called Transition. Um, and so this is a probably state by state. So in Connecticut, where Amy Julia lives, the programs are called Maps and Path for middle school and high school um, and But Think College is uh, just a nationwide conversation going on about how people with developmental disabilities and special needs and other intellectual challenges um, might have a college experience. So you can check that out as well. Um, so, Anne, thank you for answering Mary's question. Um, so there you go. Um, yeah, I love it when there is something that we can talk with each other about that, like, it's like we're dealing with it, right? In everyday life, moment by moment, this is a question that keeps circling around. And you're like, I don't really know what resources there are to bring to bear on that. So let's be praying for each other as we face all of those challenges today. Your challenges are a little different than my challenges, but we all um, face challenges day in and day out. So just know this, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I counted an absolute privilege and blessing that you have included these conversations in your day, that you've included me in your day. Like, I, I don't take that lightly. So thank you so much for sharing this time together today. Uh, if you have more to say, you can email me, Carmen at MyFaithRadio.com. Um, and let's be um, considering how we are going to approach 316 tomorrow. I mean, let's like be preparing in advance. Like, how am I going to engage as a gospel person um, tomorrow on March 3, you know, 316, like, right, John 316. How am I going to do that? There's a thing called 316 Mission if you want to check that out on Facebook. All right, have a great day, great day, and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.